Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. We're privileged to have with us longtime college basketball coach and current GM of the Indiana Fever, Lynn Dunn. Coach, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Tony, for tracking me down and getting me where I'm supposed to be. I appreciate it. Uh, for sure. I've been looking forward to this for, for a long time. If you're listening to this and you're unfamiliar with Coach Dunn's background, she was at the college level for almost 30 years, multiple NCAA births, uh, trip to the Final Four. Then she went on to be the first GM with the WNBA Seattle Storm and then moved on to the Fever a few years later where she won a WNBA title and you went for about six or seven years there in a row and were in the at least the conference finals with both Seattle and Indiana. Coach Dunn has a history of not just knowing the game of basketball, but also team building. And that's really what I want to talk about with her today. Coach, you've done this for a long time. Through the years of experience that you, you've had, the elements of putting together a successful team, are they the same today as they were based off even how people act and how they think now? Are they the same elements today that they were back when you started? I think they are. You know, I, I think we have adapted and adjusted um, to how we coach. Um, I mean, the, the, the old my way is the highway Bobby Knight style is not acceptable anymore. You know, we, we, uh, we can't verbally abuse or, you know, just really chew players out like we used to. So I think we've adjusted. But as far as building a team and what it takes to be successful, consistently successful, um, and, and one of the things that I've done is study the consistently successful programs at all levels, Duke men, Connecticut women, Tennessee women, Golden State Warriors, the Celtics, the Lakers, you know, consistently successful teams um, have something in common. And I think whether it's high school or college or pros, I think it's important to know that. And, and one of the things that I, I like to share with coaches is what I call the big six. These are the six things that really go into consistently successful uh, building of teams. And, and, and these six, uh, I hope the coaches are, are listening, will write them down. Talent, support, leadership, culture, practice, and system and they're all extremely important um uh, you know if i were to ask you tony which one you thought was the most important or if i ask 15 people everybody's gonna have them right differently based on uh, on their value system but they're all important um and 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 the one you may want to zero in today is culture you know like i think culture is the foundation um, of, of successful, consistently successful teams. And I think if you have a strong culture, just like you have the strong foundation of a house, um, if it's built on a strong foundation, it's going to last. It's going to, it's going to uh, handle the, the tornadoes and the, and the rainstorms and the hurricanes. If you have a strong foundation, if you have a weak foundation, 
then it's going to crumble when you face adversity. So I, I think a culture for me, uh, probably talent, those two were right at the top of my list. Um, I do believe that leadership's important. You know, the leadership is the coach and the players that lead. So it's just tricky to try to figure out which one's more important. What did your culture, what was it an outgrowth of? Did you have core values? Was it just a system of beliefs or what was it? Well, I like the term core values because that's what, that sends a message of what do you, what, what do you value? What do you value as a coach, but what do your players value? And, and them uh, connecting the dots that, hey, uh, working hard pays off. Um, positive energy pays off. Being a good teammate pays off. Uh, being disciplined is a key part of, 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 of being successful. You know, so you have a, a, a group of, of core values or standards. Dif- different people call them different things. Matter. You, you, you know, I don't, I don't think you can have a strong team unless there's accountability. You know, accountability means I'm going to talk the talk and I'm going to walk the walk. And, and I think players, uh, you know, they won't. Uh, a relationship where where there's trust and so if you follow through with what you say you're going to do uh then the players will trust you if you don't then they won't (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. just a fact you know players want three things they they want a connection they want to connect with the coach um they want they want to work with people of character good people you know they're just good honest people And, and then they want competence they want to work with somebody that knows their stuff you know, so all of those three pieces uh, kind of go into the foundation of the culture. You know, we're, we're, we're connecting, we're caring about each other, uh, we genuinely care about you as a person. You know, we're good people, we, you know, we do the, the correct thing, the right thing, we follow through, and we know our stuff. And so I think, uh, I, I do think culture is your, is your foundation for your, your successful programs. We talked about your success there in the WNBA, especially. And how did you get those players to buy into those things? Did you feel like it was it was something that happened quickly? Was it something that, that took a little bit longer? And obviously, we're talking about professionals, so handling those may be a little bit different. But did you feel like you did anything, maybe even the second time around with Indiana, that maybe accelerated that at all? Well, I, I think I think one thing about working with professionals is they're adults you know uh you, you know i could maybe i could maybe fool a, a college kid for a while uh if i didn't know my stuff but it, but in the pros you, you can't you know they know their stuff you know so you better be confident uh, not only competent but confident in what you're doing and so i i think one of the things that that, that goes into me being consistently successful everywhere i've worked um you, you know, is that I, I built trust. I, I, I followed through. I, I walked the walk. I talked the talk. It didn't mean I didn't make a mistake. Uh, but when I made a mistake, I held myself accountable. You know, I can't hold you accountable if I don't hold myself accountable first. And so I, I think I convinced the pro players um, that, that, you know, we were going to have a strong culture and it was going to be built on trust. And that we were going to build that trust on the defensive end. And I really believe that defense builds trust, that that's where a team, I've got your back. You know, when you slide over, 
you know, to help and somebody's going to help you. And I know you've got my back. And so I can't think of a better part of the, the basketball game that really builds uh, trust more than, than, than investing in a strong defense. And so once we set that tone and we built from there and then we brought in great people that were also great players. Uh, we got rid of anybody that just wasn't a great person. You know, we wanted great people that, that could play. Um, and then we built that trust um, from our from the defensive end. I feel like your culture oftentimes goes to the next level or takes the next step once you become that player-led team, like when your players have bought into it and now they're the ones that are preaching the messages that you've been trying to communicate to the rest of them. That really helps, you know. Yeah. Player-led teams, I mean, like, um, who's controlling your locker room? I'm not in the locker room with them. And so um, don't underestimate the fact that your best player must be a strong leader. Hmm. You know, they don't have to be rah-rah and all that kind of stuff, but they, they must at, lead, at least lead by example uh, because um, the players control the locker room. And so that's where you need that leadership to, to nip any negative attitudes or anything that might undermine what you're trying to do. And so when you have great people in that locker room um, that are on board, you know, that are all in, that are connected with you, and that, that you and your best players and your best leaders are connected, you know, I know if something's going wrong in the locker room, they're going to come to me because they care enough um, to let me know that we have a problem. So uh, player-led teams, oh, my goodness gracious, so much stronger. And, and I'll tell you this, Tony, one thing I've learned, if you don't have good leadership from your players, then you as the coach, you're going to have to lead. And that's a lot harder. What was the best player-led team you had? Gosh, uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to coach the, the best of the best. Uh, Sue Bird, Lauren Jackson, uh, recently with the, with the Indiana Fever, of course, Tamika Catchings. Um, you, you know, when you have players like that uh, that are Olympians, you, you know, that are just committed to being the very best that they could be, they just lead in so many ways. And so mm -hmm. you know, I've been blessed. A Quick Time Out podcast is sponsored by 3 on 3 Hoops Hub. If you're a basketball coach looking to grow your program, raise funds for your program, or build your basketball business, you're going to want to check out what 3-on-3 Hoops Hub can do for you. 3-on-3 Hoops Hub has run over 350 3-on-3 basketball leagues for thousands of kids since 1997 and is helping coaches all across the country do the same. 3-on-3 basketball is the ideal format for players to get more opportunities, work on all skills and positions, and have fun playing competitive basketball with their friends. You can bring 3-on-3 to your community and do it like an expert by learning from the best 3-on-3 Hoops Hub free training. To find out more and get access to the training, simply click the training.3on3hoopshub.com QTO link in the show notes below. I asked this to a group of students that I work with each year that are taking a, a coaching class. I think team cohesion is often underrated sometimes. And of course, it doesn't have to happen all the time where your players are necessarily liking each other. But I do think like a level of cohesion has to exist. Do you feel like cohesion leads to winning or is it more so that winning leads to cohesive teams that then become winners? I think what you just said is, is both can both happen. 
Um, I, I think it's really important that people understand you don't have to be liked, but you need to be respected. And so sometimes if you're if you have both, I respect you and I like you and I like you, you've got the double, you got the double whammy. That's probably the, the ideal situation. I like you, I enjoy your company, and I respect who you are. Um, and, and so you can get that, boy, you've got something special. And then that that in itself uh, creates a cohesive environment. In that situation, the players enjoy spending time with each other because they do like to be around each other. Uh, but but they also respect each other and they res- they're tolerant. You know, they understand differences. They understand uh, we're not all the same. We don't all think the same. Uh, they, they value diversity, and I think that's important. Do you find there's any difference with team cohesion or, or establishing or building team cohesion with professionals versus college-age kids? Well, you have to understand, by the time you get to the WNBA, there are so few opportunities to be in the WNBA that it's the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. And so usually if you get to this level and you make a team, um, you have all of those attributes uh, that, that make you not only a great player, but a great person. You can't get this far. Mm-hmm. Um, so in some instances, it, it, it may be easier uh, than high school and college where, where you really don't have the cream of the crop. So I, I think for me, uh, getting a professional team to jail, uh, because they're so driven, they're so highly competitive, and they can't stand to lose. You know, they're elite athletes. They're fit. You know, they're relentless in their competitiveness. And so sometimes it, I think it's probably been easier to get them all in. I'm asking you to dig back quite a bit here when you all want it with the fever. I often hear coaches say like there's often uh, one or two like turning points in the year or something that just kind of shifts the season. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that was going poorly. Was there anything like that? And do you feel like it was something that not that you manufactured, but you were able to kind of like bring their attention to, or was it something that just happened naturally? You know, Tony, that's a great question because something absolutely did happen that was unique and that was probably a key to our winning. We were the underdog throughout the playoffs. Uh, There's no way we should have won a WNBA championship uh, in 2012. Um, But a couple of things happened. One One of those things was the people that weren't starting, um, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way down, they accepted their roles. They embraced their roles and they stayed ready. And those people made us better in practice. Um, They had so much positive energy on the bench. You know, they weren't worried about playing time. They weren't hoping somebody would get a foul so they could get in the game. They were it was really a unique environment with those people. And what happened was we started to have injuries. And when someone got hurt and they were out, the next person was ready to step up into that role. And so as we go through the playoffs, um, we endure a, a broken ankle and a torn ACL. And so the next person stepped up and helped us win a championship. So that was an amazing experience for me to see those players be ready, be confident, because they've never stopped investing in being the best that they could be. 
what are some things that you've seen that keep a team from reaching its full potential? Not accepting your role. You know what I'm saying? I think when players don't know their role, when they don't accept their role, um, you know, and they're, they're not happy, they're not all in, um, it, it, can, it can create uh, just a, a, an atmosphere that's not harmonious. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that, that can be a real key issue. And I'm, I'm a believer in telling the players their role. Uh, if one of my starters, you know, gets a quick foul or two, the person that backs up that person knows she's going in. It's not everybody on the bench jumps up to go in because they're not sure. You know, it's it's clear who's going in here, who's going in on, you know, who's backing up inside, who's backing up outside, and it's clear who's not going to play. You know, um, 10, 11, 12 are, are, are cheerleaders. And, and they're, they're our practice players, and they know that, and they've accepted that. But they're always working to get better because if seven, eight, or nine gets hurt, then their role changes. And, and so being clear, uh, coaches, being clear with their role, make sure to tell them. You know, coaches sometimes don't want to say, well, it's hard enough to pick the starters. I'm not going to tell the rest of them, you know, what their role is. Why not? You know, they deserve to know, and they also know, deserve to know, okay, what can I do to get more playing time? What can I do to move from 12 to 10? You know, what do I do? So I think I think uh, not knowing your roles can really cause some problems. You know, you mentioned at the beginning, you're a student of the game. You enjoy looking at men's game, women's game, doesn't matter. The offseason here, coaches are, are looking to improve, and I want them to improve, and I'm hoping that they're improving in more than just X's and O's. Who should they look at or what should they look at, or do you have any suggestions for them to improve in that area of their yeah, coaching? Yeah, I do. I, I think going to clinics, X and O clinics, is, is great, and I think you should every year. You know, when you're through learning, you're through. you got to keep growing. The game's changing. You know, we're playing positionalist basketball now, and – you know, our fours and fives are coming out on the perimeter and, you know, our ones, twos and threes are interchangeable. So you're always growing your knowledge of the X's and O's. But it's important that you're also growing your knowledge when it comes to culture, when it comes to leadership, uh, when it comes to team building. And there's so many good books. There's so many good podcasts. Um, there's no excuse not to keep growing your knowledge um, in that area. And so that's really important. I like to ask this of, of my veteran coaches who come on in relationship to team building. What's one piece of advice that you would give your younger self if you could go back and talk to that person? I wish that I had spent more time on building relationships instead of worrying about my out of bounds plot. Uh, I invested an enormous amount of time in the technical side of the game. And I realize now that it needs to be balanced. You know what I'm saying? 50-50. 50% of my time is built is on relationships. 50% of my time um, is on the technical side. And probably when I first started out, it was probably 90-10. And then maybe it was 80-20. Um, and so I invest as much time in building relationships as you do in breaking that press. That's Coach Lynn Dunn, Hall of Famer. Coach Lynn Dunn and current general manager of the Indiana Fever. Coach, it was great talking to you. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Tony.